You're listening to the Passion Church Podcast. Our mission is to help people win by living a genuine Jesus-filled life. If you are ever in Cameron, Missouri, then come and join us and be a part of the Passion Church family. You can visit our website, passionchurchmo.com, to find out more about us. You have your Bible. Turn with me to the book of Luke. We have a joke around here every time I say... The book of Luke, everyone goes, Luke, I am your father. Luke, the 18th chapter, and we're going to go to the 18th through the 22nd verse. I have an exciting message today, I believe. We're going to talk about challenges versus opportunities. Have you found it? Here we go. Luke 18, 18. And a certain ruler asked him, saying, Good master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? It's a good question. Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? None is good save one, and that is God. Now, Jesus is gigging him a little bit because of his religious background. He's, he's, quoting, he's quoting the teachings of the, the Torah. He's to, to, uh, quoting the teachings of the prophets. He's, he's quoting to him back what his, um, his training has taught him. And, uh, you know, he's a ruler. So he's, he's a man of means. He's a man who understands the word. He's a man of prominence. And Jesus is kind of throwing the word back at him. Why are you calling me good? Are you, are you, here to gig me? Are you here to push me? Are you here to to uh, come against me? Are you here to trip me up? Why are you calling me good when you know that God alone is good? And so he hits him with that. So I'll go back and reiterate that one more time in verse 19. And Jesus said unto him, why callest thou me good? None is good, save one. And that is God. Verse 20, thou knowest the commandments in other words, why are you asking me how to inherit eternal life? You already know this. Look, thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor thy father and mother. And, and the ruler said, he said, all these have I kept from my youth up. I've been doing this since I was a child. I've not broke these commandments. I've kept them. Uh, throughout my lifetime. And then in verse 22, then Jesus says, now when Jesus heard these things, he said to him, yet thou lackest one thing. In other words, you came to me for an answer, so I'm going to give you one. And Here's what you lack. Here's what you need to inherit eternal life. Sell all that thou hast and distribute unto the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven come and follow me. I'm going to go another verse. And when he heard this, the rich young ruler, he was very sorrowful, for he was very rich. And in verse 24, Jesus starts explaining to the disciples, it is hard for someone who has, is a person of means, who has lots of money, to truly sell out to God in the, in the fullest sense, because they, they are a self-sustaining, uh, self um reliant, uh, a self-preservationist, someone who wants to preserve their life, preserve their way of life. 
And when Jesus quoted this to him, he really set this young man up because he quoted all of these commandments, but he didn't quote the first one. He left it hanging in the air. The first commandment is love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and all thy mind and all thy soul and everything that you have. You love God first above every other thing. Jesus already knew the young ruler's heart, and he purposely omitted that, thinking and hoping, I'm sure, that this young ruler would go, now, wait a minute, you've got to love God with everything. But Jesus put him to the test as to whether he would truly understand if he would truly grasp and grapple with this first commandment by saying, if you'll sell everything you have and come follow me, you will inherit what it is you're looking for. Just give up your self-preservation. Give up your your self-reliance and really, really put all of your confidence in God and God alone. And of course, we know the word says that he went away sad, very sorrowful. Father, I thank you for your word today. I thank you for this message. I pray, Father, that uh, you will help me to, like a lemon, squeeze out of this, Father, every nutrient that is in this uh, particular uh, message today, and then sweeten it with the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, Father, so that we can have a refreshing drink of your word today. We thank you, we glorify you, and we give you honor and praise in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So in verse 22, when Jesus heard this young man say, you know, I've done all these things, I've kept all these things, he said to him, one thing you still lack, sell all that you have and all that you possess and distribute it to the poor, and you shall have treasure in heaven. Come and follow me. Jesus threw down a challenge to this young man. He gave him a challenge. He said to him, I want you to give everything you know and all your comfortability up and come and see what adventure God has for you. I would love to say that that all, all Christians are in a better place than this man. But can I be honest with you? We live in America, and America's a pretty comfortable place. And even poor people in America aren't poor like they are oftentimes in other nations, in third world nations. And there are many other countries around the world that that have a lifestyle similar to what we have in America. And you can very easily get caught up in the lifestyle. I I don't want to get into a big, long, drawn-out thing here, but I just want to draw this analogy. How far are we truly from this rich, young ruler's mentality? I mean, we think we would give up everything, but would you? If, If people came to your house tomorrow and started carting off all of your goods, and everyone who walked out with some other uh, of your possessions was saying, oh, praise the Lord, hallelujah, thank you for giving this up for Jesus. How long before you start swinging? (laughs) How long before you lock the doors? How long before you boot people out of your house? And so um, Jesus is throwing down a challenge. 
Now, a challenge is a call to take part in a contest or competition. Let me say that one more time. The definition of a challenge is a, is a call to take part in a contest or a competition. <laughs> Jesus knows what he's doing with this young man. He's revealing to this young man what's in his heart by giving him a challenge. How often has the master challenged us believers in our walk with him? Every so often, Jesus will challenge you and something in life will challenge you and reveal to you either, either you pass a test or you fail a test because God is good at throwing down a challenge. Uh, there's a second portion to that uh, definition. First is a call to take part in a contest or a competition. The second part of that is or an objection or a query or question as to the truth of something, often with an implicit, implied demand for proof. So the second part of that is I, I have an objection. I'm questioning the truth of something. I'm not sure that's true. And the implied demand is I need proof. This young man came to Jesus saying, I need, I need um, heart confidence that I'm going to make it in my eternal call with God. So Jesus threw down a challenge. Really? Okay, well, do this and do this and do this. Well, I've done all that. I, I've been doing that from the time I was a child. And so the Lord says, really? Would you really like to know what's in your heart? Sell everything you have, give it and distribute it to the poor, and then come follow me on the adventure of God. Jesus threw down the challenge to this man of means to examine his heart. Are you willing to sell out? Can you delay your instant gratification for a promise of exorbitant gratification in eternity? Can you give up today's comfort for tomorrow's exorbitant, powerful means? Can you give up the comfort of this life and take the real challenge? Well, the real challenge wasn't as much, do you love God? He'd already proven he loved God. But do you love God enough? Oh, this is a, this is a challenge the church of Jesus Christ needs today. Do you love God? That's not a question. The real question is, do you love him enough that if he put his hands on your things, that you would still serve him open-heartedly with your hands raised down to nothing? If you were living in a cardboard box, could you still raise your hands and magnify him? If he called you to strip everything you know and all of the comfortability of your life, would you still be excited about an all-out sellout to him? Mm. Luke, the ninth chapter, the 57th through the 62nd verse, I'm not going to read it today for time's sake, but another man says, I will follow you. Jesus is a, Jesus is a master of challenge. And a man says, I will follow you. And he 
volunteers to follow Jesus, but Jesus challenges him. Jesus tells him, he says, he says, I will follow you wherever you go, master. And you know what Jesus answered him? He said this. He says, well, I don't have any place to lay my head. I don't have a house. I don't have comfortable things. I live out here in a nomadic life. Is that something that you can do? He challenged him, can you live without comfort? Can you live spontaneously without a plan? <laughs> can you be free to be a nomadic person, to travel unencumbered by all of this life's, all that this life has to offer? Can you, can you follow me with whatever the plan is? You wake up in the morning, when you go to bed at night, you don't know what the plan is for tomorrow. You wake up, are you willing to go where I go? Are you willing to do what I do? Are you willing to, to meet the criteria that I meet? To be unencumbered by this life. To not be tied down to anything that will keep me from my mission. Why was it that when Jesus was, was speaking about his in mission and Peter spoke up and said, oh, God forbid that you would lay your life down. No, we'll fight to the end for you. And Jesus quickly turned about and called him Satan. Why? Because he had a mission. He was sold out to the mission. He knew the mission, and he knew that he was setting us up for the co-mission to get in mission with Christ Jesus that our heart and his heart would be one and the same. So this second man says, I'll follow you anywhere, and Jesus throws it out. Well, are you willing to give up all these three areas of, of comfort? Are you willing to, to, to follow me, you know, without question? And then Jesus throws out the challenge to another person. That man, the one I just talked about, said, I'll follow you, Jesus. Then Jesus walking by, walks by somebody else like he did the disciples and says, follow me. Follow me to someone else. This man's response was, yes, I want to follow you. I'll give everything, but first, please let me go bury my father. Now, uh, let, let, me, uh, let me lay out just a little history here. This could sound like a very, very cruel challenge because Jesus says, let the dead bury the dead, Right? And so oftentimes when we read that, we don't quite understand the words of Jesus there. We think that sounds insensitive. But what you have to understand is this man's father was already dead. History uh, in the first century records that when a Jew, when a Jew died, he, he was laid in his tomb for a period of a year. By that time in that arid place, the body has decayed to the place now that it's, it's simply bone. And then they would go into the uh, tomb with a little box called an ossuary, and they would collect the bones of that loved one, place them in an ossuary, and then put it in a prominent place within the tomb uh, so that the tomb could be used again for other family members, other people of the family. And so, so Jesus isn't being insensitive about the fact that this man's father is maybe lying sick somewhere or dying. He's telling him, Listen, let someone else gather up dead bones. Come on with me because it's all about 
life. You go and proclaim the kingdom to everywhere and be my missionary. Let your brothers and sisters or someone else gather up the bones. Make the main thing the main thing. And another said, I will follow you, Lord. Another guy (laughs) comes up and says, I will follow you, but let me say goodbye to my family. Now, this seems harmless enough, doesn't it? But here's what you need to understand. And Jesus just threw it down to him. You know, I don't think this is going to work. First of all, the first thing you have to understand is family will pull on you to stay. Family will pull on you to stay. They don't want you to leave and be a missionary. And family often doubt your call because they know too much. They know you. How could God use you? It's like when Jesus was in his home region, nobody believed in Jesus in his home region. They thought they knew him. And here's the problem. Our our family, our friends, they don't know us on the inside. They know a few things about us. They know about our character. They know a few things that push our buttons. They know the good points. They know the negative points. But they don't know the God calling in us. So when this young man says, hey, let me go back and say goodbye to my family, uh, first of all, Jesus knows that family will pull on you. Second of all, he knows that friends just can't believe you can do it. No, they, they just don't think you have what it takes. You're not talented enough. The third thing that I, I want to point out here is once you return to a familiar environment, listen to this now, once you return to a familiar environment, distraction sets in. And Jesus knew that. When Jesus was calling this man or when this man wanted to follow Jesus, he said, look, If you're going to follow me, you got to do it now. You can kiss your mom later. Follow me now. Follow me right here before you lose track and lose and become distracted from the mission that you've been called to. Jesus answered this man by saying, no one who has started the mission or put his hand to the plow and turning back, no one who has started the mission and turns back and abandons the mission is worthy or fit for the kingdom. It's better that you don't even start than to start and then turn back. And he's telling this young man, this is your moment. This is your opportunity. Take the mission. Don't turn back. Because if you turn back, you're going to miss out not only on the call, but the kingdom mission designed for your life. Mm -hmm. There's a reason the final church is called the remnant. Jesus is setting up these people to receive the challenge so that they can have an opportunity. Jesus is giving the church an opportunity, both corporately and individually. Today, the Lord is giving you an opportunity. Like the rich young ruler, you can stay self-sufficient or you can get to the, the real root and the real heart of the calling and the mission of God and you say, God, whatever it is you want, whatever you require, 
that is what I want to do. I didn't say it would be easy. I didn't say you wouldn't have moments. I, I would never say you wouldn't have second thoughts. But at the end of the day, when it all, when the, before the sun goes down, can you determine in your heart that God is first, his mission is first, his assignment is first, that he is worthy, that wherever his, his uh, adventure takes you, wherever the mission takes you, is the perfect will of God for your life over the self-preservation that you have already set up in your own heart and in your own mind. Opportunity is defined as a set of circumstances that makes it possible to do something. Hmm. Opportunity is a set of circumstances that makes it possible to do something. Not every circumstance in life that's handed to you is negative. Not every challenge is life-threatening. But they can be. They can be. I want to show you just real quickly, with by brief mention, some of the patriarchs that are in the Word who took an opportunity like Jesus is throwing out and turned it into, or, or a challenge, and turned it into an opportunity. Look at this. David went down with some cheese and some bread to feed his brothers who are defending the nation of Israel. He's really too young to be a soldier. He is a shepherd boy. Now he's a messenger boy that his father has sent him to the front lines. When Goliath, the warrior king of the Philistines, comes out and begins trash-talking not only Israel but Israel's God. Now here's a, a young boy. The challenge was thrown out by the enemy. Just let one of you come out here and fight me and we'll settle this issue once and for all. If one of you come, whoever wins, the other nation will serve as a servant. All of the trained soldiers stood back in fear. But this young boy, this young shepherd boy, you know the story, I don't have to go deep. But this young shepherd boy said, who is this loudmouth Philistine? Who is this that would defy the God and the armies of the God of Israel? Who is this trash-talking big mouth and a shepherd boy with a sling and some stones took out the biggest enemy of Israel on that day. And on that day, David accepted the challenge and went out to face the enemy, and while facing the enemy, took an opportunity that everyone else was afraid to take, and then on that day received for himself a promotion in the eyes, not only of every soldier on that battlefield, but of the king himself and the entire nation of Israel. This young man stepped out. It could have been his end. It could have been, here lies David, a little boy who thought he was tough enough for the challenge. But what it turned out to be was a young man who heard the clarion call of God who wasn't afraid to take on a challenge handed to him by God. And when he got into the battlefield, he made 
the best of his effort and what he knew to do and allowed God to do what God could do. And as God sailed that rock into the forehead of the enemy, David ran upon him and ended the battle right there. And from forevermore, David was known as a warrior king. Mm. Moses, Moses was uh, rejected by his nation because he had tried to bring about God's will in his life in his own human power. He was excommunicated from his nation, now wandering for 40 years. He's wandered on the backside of a desert in a nomadic lifestyle tending sheep. One, one day, a bush catches on fire. And he's drawn in, and the voice of God begins to speak to him about being the deliverer of his people. And this man, this ordinary shepherd on the backside of a desert, this man who has been rejected once because he tried to do it the wrong way, now has heard the challenge of God and wasn't afraid to walk into Pharaoh's court and demand he set his people free. You know the story, 10 plagues later, he's leaving with a vast army of people, and he didn't just leave with those people who belong to God. He left also with the spoils <laughs> of their captors. He left with the spoils of Egypt, and on the day that Moses stood up and accepted the challenge, God opened up an opportunity for a nation to be born. Mm. Elijah on the Mount, in the Mount Carmel showdown, he comes uh, to let the nation know that serving these false gods is not right for Israel. And I want everyone to come and see because today God is going to show himself and prove to you who the true God is. And you know the story. He, he lets them do their thing. He lets all those false prophets do their thing. And then he gets up and with one prayer, evokes the power of an awesome, almighty, creating God who sends fire and takes out the altar of sacrifice. And in one moment, he receives the challenge. And in the second moment, he's standing in the opportunity that now the nation of God has been brought back into proper order. Last but not least... Jesus, the one perfect lamb, the sinless man, the son of God, the son of man. A hundred percent God, 100% man walking the earth, God incarnate walking and carrying out his mission like the second man, Adam, to retrieve mankind where Adam failed mankind. Jesus came to retrieve us back unto the father. And the way that he had to do that was to face the challenge of the cross, to face the challenge of Gethsemane, to face the challenge of beatings by the church, beatings by the king of Israel, Herod, and beatings by the Roman government. Mockery, 
They spat upon him. You know the story. They beat him mercilessly until the, the Bible records in Isaiah that his visage, his outward appearance was so marred, he didn't even look human. Yet Jesus took the challenge of the cross. And when he took the challenge of the cross, he was rewarded with the fact that death on that day was swallowed up in life. Death died. <laughs> it is dead in the kingdom. And to everyone who says yes to Jesus, death vanishes and you are swallowed in life eternal because Jesus took the challenge. So I'm here today for you to understand that challenges are opportunities. When we get challenged with COVID-19, I want you to understand if we accept the challenge in the way that it is thrown down before us and we run to God and say, God, what is your will in the challenge that lays before me? He will give you the answer and on the other side of that answer, a miraculous thing will happen that will bring you to a place of promotion you couldn't get any other way. Mm. Without a challenge, you'd never be compelled to make a change in your life. Without a challenge, there would be no motivation to make something better. Challenges are God's opportunity to the Christian. As Christians, we know and have accepted that challenges are God's mission. And challenges that God turns into opportunities always carry promotion. We not only have accepted God's mission, but in fact, we have the great commission. You'll find it in the end of the Gospels, Matthew, Luke, Mark, John. And to me, the word commission means partnership, co-mission. It is combining mission. We have picked up the mission of Christ Jesus to go into all the world and preach the good news that there is salvation in no other but Christ Jesus, that in him death is swallowed in eternal life. And I want you to understand that this word commission means partnership. You don't do this alone. You have the Christ in you, the Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKadosh to help you, to guide you, to be your partner. When you say yes to the commission, you say no to you. And unlike this rich young ruler, you stop being a person of self-preservation and you be and a self-reliant person and you become a completely sold out God-reliant person. And that's what God's looking for in this remnant church on the rise. He's looking for a people more sold out to him than they are to life and the things of life. I'm not here to say you got to run home, clean out your house, sell all of your goods. What I'm saying is you've got to listen to the heart of God. God's never minded 
you having things. In fact, the word says that even in this life, we will have houses and lands. God wants us blessed. But what I'm getting at is if this rich young ruler had truly let Jesus lead the way, how rich would he have been? But he walked away in self-preservation. God has challenged his church in 2020. Can you adapt? Can you adapt, church? Think about that. Can we do church in new ways? We were forced into it. Can we do church in new ways? Can we do outreach that's not traditional? Can we reach into lives and be just as effective as we were before we were placed in this challenge? Can we reach our neighbors because before we've been too busy to even know our neighbors? Come on. Come on. Can you adapt? Number two, how far are you willing to follow Jesus? Number three, will you dig deeper in my word? This is the challenge. Number four, will you grow deeper in relationship with me? Number five, will you let dead things go and get rid of the distractions and get rid of the traditions of men? And six, can you push forward in God without looking back to say goodbye? Mm. I know we're getting time challenged here, but I, I got to repeat those real quickly. Number one, can you adapt? Number two, how, will, how far are you willing to follow me? Number three, will you dig deeper in the word? Will you know me by the word? Number four, will you grow deeper in relationship with me? Will you nurture a real prayer life? Will you spend time until you and I are so in sync you know my voice? at every given moment, and can follow me blindly. Number five, will you let dead things go? Get rid of the distractions of the traditions of men. And can you push forward in God without looking back to say goodbye? Passion Church, remnant believers, we are being challenged to go forward in new ways with inventive concepts. We are being forced into some change. We think it's because of the disease. I think it's because of the Spirit of God. Only God, I don't care what a man would design. I don't care what some disease, however it was birthed, is designed. None of them have preeminence over God. God saw this hour. God saw this moment. And God knew what the church needs. Not just the church of America. The global church needs a shaking. Some places are healthier than others. In America, yes, Lord, yes, the church needed a shaking. Shake, 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 shake. We needed this shaking. <laughs> We're fighting a war in America. 
freedom versus governmental control. And we, we're, we're struggling with that. We got our mind on that, and we only see that. But I'm here to let you know there's a God far above all of that. There's a God that's not as focused on that, not as worried about that. He's worried about his people. He's worried about his mission. He wants us to labor and partner with him in the mission so that the mission gets carried out because the sooner the mission is finished, the sooner he can return for his children. Mm. So what is our mission? Is it to chase after the carnal external things or is it to establish the kingdom? Are we going to serve the kingdom of God or the kingdom of man? I'm not suggesting not to fight for what is right. It's okay to challenge or to question the truths that are being spoken to us. Are they truth? But I'm suggesting that we take the challenge put before us for kingdom purposes. Not a political fight. God's got a purpose in this. A, we've got to get the heart and the mind of God so we can adapt. B, say yes to the mission and follow him. I'm speaking to you, church. C, let the dead bury the dead, lose the distractions, and get in love with God once again. Lose life's distractions and fall head over heels in love with the Messiah again. And D, answer the call because it is a new thing, and the new thing God is doing is reestablishing the old thing where the church operates in the demonstration of his power, in the demonstration of his word, in the demonstration of our relationship, in the demonstration of when his word is released, miracles begin, that where we go, God goes, and where God goes, miracles go, and signs and wonders follow the believer. Why? Because the believer has sold out in his heart and he's not encumbered by this world or the distractions thereof or his self-preservation. He is now sold out lock, stock, and barrel. So let's show the world what Jesus looks like. Come on, Remnant Church. Let's live him inside out. Let's throw away all of the compromise of truth. Come on, church. We've been playing around too long. There's a faction of the church that has given up the right to even stand behind this sacred desk. Why? Because they become sin accepting and they become carnal in nature and they have become lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God and they're too consumed with who they are and what they're achieving and the promotions that they want to get from man and the accolades of man. But God's looking for a church that doesn't care about the accolades of man but all they crave and desire is the approval of their heavenly father, the approval of the Holy Spirit, the backing of the power of God in their life, the partnership with the Ruach HaKadosh that can lead, 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 guide, 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 pull them in, pull them in, pull them into a place of real deep dedication and relationship with him. That's all that the church, the remnant church should be concerned with, loving God and loving man. Mm. 
So, we must throw away all the compromise of truth, serve him openly without fear and intimidation, and let us think outside of the box or the church box. Maybe I should say it that way. We need to start thinking outside of the church box. This is a building. The mission is beyond these windows out on this highway and into this community and in your community and wherever you are and wherever you live and your nearest neighbor might be three miles away, but your three-mile-away neighbor needs Jesus and you need to have a relationship with him. And it's time to start thinking about our mission outside of the box. Mm. So how do we become the refuge for God? How do we become the refuge for our neighborhood, our family, our community, our state, our nation? How do we become the refuge? Because right now they're running scared. Their gods have failed them. Their gods are laying on their face before our God. If you think people aren't scared, go to Walmart. You don't think people are scared. Look at the people that wear a mask everywhere they go. When we do, when we do parking lot church, I have people that show up on the parking lot wearing a mask inside of their car. Fear has been loosed. It is a spirit, and we have the answer for the spirit of fear. For ours is not a spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound mind. So how do we become the refuge for all of these factions. <laughs> Let me tell you, by seizing this moment, not running from it, by accepting the challenge of God to let God multiply our talents for him and to go, not for man's, but for God's promotion. God is looking for a church that's willing, ready, and able. Those that will stand up and declare war because they're willing, able, and ready. Church, it ain't over. Oh, I know the signs of the time tell us he's about to come. I sang a song about it. I believe it with all my heart. His, near, his, his, his coming is more near than it has ever been. I've spent 43 years of my life preaching this gospel of Jesus Christ, and I've never believed it more than I believe it right now at this moment. I'm not distracted because there's been a period of time. I'm more in today than I've ever been, and I pray that that is also your resolve. I want to pray with you today, and thank you for tuning in. A very special thank you to Chuck Bryant and the WOTG Network. Thank you for allowing us to preach the uncompromised message of Jesus Christ. My question to you is, will you receive the challenge? Will you take the challenge so that it can become an opportunity for God to turn your world completely upside down. Will you sell out? 
if you will, this is your moment. This is your hour. Don't let this instant pass you by. Make up your mind today. Don't think about it. Run in. Run in and say, whatever you want, God, that is what my heart desires. Because I want you. I don't want to be like this rich young ruler and walk away. I don't want to be like this man that wanted to bury the dead. I don't want to be like this man that wanted to run back and kiss his family. I want to be your servant. I want to be in your challenge. And I want to take the opportunity for you to do something great in my life in the lives around me because of my relationship with you. If that's you, bow your head right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for these under the sound of my voice who right now, Father, are making up their mind. You may, have, you may know the Lord just like this rich young ruler, but you haven't been sold out. And this is your moment. Whether you've ever asked him into your heart or not, or rather, this is a moment when you realize and recognize I'm not sold out enough. I invite you. Come on. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for these who right now are seizing this moment. Right now, Father, we're seizing the challenge to become co-partner with you in your mission. We're receiving the challenge, Father, to put you and your mission above our personal comfort and our personal desire and our personal distractions. Because we want you and you alone. We don't want the rest. We want you. We want to we cross the finish line knowing we've done everything possible to carry out your desire, not our desire. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my self-will. Forgive me for being self-willed in this life. Forgive me for being a self-preservationist. Forgive me, Father, for being self-reliant. I now, Father, bow my knee to you and say, you and you alone are the supreme God. And I bring my sins and my distractions and my heartaches and my struggles to you. And I receive your forgiveness by the shed blood of Christ Jesus, inviting Jesus, the God incarnate, to live in my heart by the presence of the Holy Holy Spirit, from this moment forward, I give you my heart, I give you my life, and for the remainder of my life here on earth, until the sounding of the trump, or I go by the way of the grave, I will follow you come what may. I'm selling out in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this podcast. We would love to connect with you on Facebook or Instagram at Passion Church Mo. Until next time, God bless.